Entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. You're the first one in, last one out, and you do whatever it takes to succeed. Nonetheless, 25 million Americans have chosen the entrepreneurial life because it's equal parts demanding and fulfilling. Welcome to the People First, Then Profit podcast. Join hospitality veteran, photographer, and entrepreneur Don Mamoni each week as he hosts a candid, no-holds-barred conversation with successful business owners and entrepreneurs eager to share their professional secrets with you. Like his crazy Italian family does on Sunday nights, he's serving up a healthy portion of inspiration, motivation, and education, so I hope you're hungry. Now, here's your host, Don Mamoni. All right. Good day, everybody. Welcome back to the People First and Profit podcast. Today, I'm joined by a fellow photographer, a photojournalist, and just a generally amazing person, Leslie Spurlock. Hi, Leslie. How are you today? Hi, good. How are you guys? Uh, We are doing so well over here, and I'm so excited to chat with you today, and I know the audience is going to love your story. Today's episode is where art and commerce meet in a sense. And it's a human interest story because I found that as we got to know each other, not only as photographers, but as people, you have an amazing story. And there are so many great tenants that we can pull from it, not only for our business owners, entrepreneurs, and career-driven professionals to advance their business, but just to sort of live a life by design. And um, I'm going to start by reading your bio that you wrote that is super fun and casual, if that's all right. (laughs) Sure. Sounds good. All right, everybody. So here is who we're chatting with today. Leslie began her career doing landscape and travel photography. After that, she took off for a number of years to raise her beautiful children, then decided to pursue photojournalism. She went to Haiti six times in total and lived with the rebels when they ousted President Aristide and took over the country. She was almost killed there, oh, a couple of times. In the meantime, she ended up getting a divorce and had to make a living, so she went into wedding photography and portrait work. She did that for 14 years, but recently retired January 1st, 2020, which incidentally was a good thing due to the COVID pandemic. In May of this year, she decided to pick up her true passion again, photojournalism, when she and her husband drove to Minneapolis during the first week of the George Floyd protests. They've since covered 15 protests nationwide, along with four hurricanes and other events. Her work has been published all over the world, including Wall Street Journal, ABC News, Good Morning America, New York Post, The Guardian, Miami Herald, The Daily Mail, Per Spiegel, and many more publications. Leslie, you're a world changer. <laughs> well, it- you know, just trying to do my thing. <laughs> I I am so excited to chat about this because uh, I've oftentimes talked with business owners, entrepreneurs, and career-driven professionals that change tack in their life. And these are not typically small shifts in their business or small promotions. So many people I've had the pleasure of talking with on this very podcast have talked about how because of some sort of lack of fulfillment or just a passion that grows inside of them, they completely shift gears. And you did that multiple times. And so I'm really excited to share that story and, and that journey with our audience. Great, great. I want to start um, with how your, your career came full circle. Um, and the only way to do that is to go all the way back. So walk us through, you were doing landscape and travel photography, and you decided uh, to take a break from that, raise your children and, and photojournalism and all that work together. Tell us about that journey. 
Yeah, so um, I was doing the landscape and all and the travel photography, and um, it was really just a hobby for the most part. But I did sell for to corporate art location, uh, corporate art uh, businesses and stuff like that for their galleries, like Compact Computer, and um, I was also running a a travel uh, workshop mm-hmm. company, and um, you know, it just I really wanted to start my passion, which was photojournalism and um, documentary work. So I ended up um, going to Haiti. And the first time it was just to do a documentary Mm -hmm. on um, a a nonprofit there. And then as Haiti always happens, it, 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 that started falling apart the last week before I was set to go there and the nonprofit, they were in trouble and uh, one person was arrested and um, the place I was going to stay, he was arrested for abusing the children. And so I was like, what do I do? Do I just go? And I got onto a forum and um, the people, you know, helped me out. And uh, a philanthropist was like, don't worry, I'll set you up with a place to stay and paid for my uh, 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 interpreter. And um, so I went ahead and went and the one guy that with a, a, another nonprofit happened to be on my same flight. Wow. And so yeah, he was staying at the same place I was staying. And so things just uh came together and it just, it was amazing. And then the next time I was set to go to cover um, Carnival with a friend Mm -hmm. and the uprising hit, (laughs) the coup d'etat. And so she backed out and I'm like, what do I do? So Mm -hmm. I said, I'm just gonna go. And I did my research. I knew the key guys that were part of it. And so I flew in, stayed at the same place, um, jumped on a bus and went to rebel territory um, with a couple of people that were staying at my guest house. And um, we ended up getting separated. Um, I happened to, they let us in, even though it was blocked off, they did let us into rebel territory. And um, I ended up seeing some of the main guys go by and I waved them down and (laughs) I said, hey, I want to tell your story. And they ended up, I hooked up with them. My friends left. And from there for three weeks, I lived with the rebels. So, wow. And, yeah. and what is it about that? So when you and I got started getting to know each other, I, I realized that you had the gene that is willing to take chance. Uh, I'm not going to say an adrenaline junkie, because that seems like such a negative way to frame that, but you are okay with sort of putting yourself in harm's way in order to tell these stories, right? I love the words cover. I want to cover this story, right? As a photographer, I want to be a documentarian. What is it about that, that existence, that life? What, what drives you there and makes it okay that you and your bio said, I mean, I was killed, almost killed a few times. (laughs) Well, it's just the passion and being able to tell the story and being like, when I lived with the rebels, I was the only one that was allowed in with them and stuff. And it was just, it, it's, there's such a passion and fire inside me when I'm covering these things. And I literally just block out everything else. In fact, at times, you know, the people, if I'm with people, like I don't even realize they're there because I'm so into what I'm doing. And I just, I want to tell their story and I want to tell the truth of what's really happening. And it just, it just, it, it is an adrenaline as well. Um, mm-hmm. And 
you know, I just, I, I can go for days without eating and sleeping because it's just this fire inside of me and it just keeps me going. It, it fundamentally uh, talks to the people first and profit mentality, because for those of you that don't know, photojournalism is one of the most poorly paid photography assignments you could ever choose to undertake. And and don't get me wrong, uh, I'm confident when Leslie signed up to do these things and started working with charities and um, phil- philanthropic benefactors, she wasn't thinking about the paycheck per se, but it is, it's, it's low glamor. Um, most times you get a cute little byline that says your name or the name of your photography studio. Uh, and you're, so you're doing it for the betterment of people on this planet both the viewers and the story you're telling, right? That's exactly right. I'm definitely not doing it for the money. So, And I just love that um, as a photographer, right? A fellow photographer or visual artist, when we create, we typically create. And uh, I always love the story that when you're a photographer, there's always two people involved in the photo, always, no matter what. And it's the person that creates it and the person that views it. And it's right. so amazing to think that you can not only have an impact on the lives of the people whose stories you're covering, but when we open that website, open that newspaper, open that magazine, and we see your story, it's the old pictures worth a thousand words. It can make yeah. you feel and emote and bring forth compassion. Um, so I and applaud you. Thank you. And that's what I really wanted. Even when I was when I went down there to cover the flood, uh, there was a tropical storm that killed 3,000 people in Haiti. Mm. And they the people felt like the world didn't care. And I was talking to this one woman and she was literally crying, please tell my story, please. We need help now. And, you know, that's just what, that's what really gets me. So I'm so glad that you're showing the emotion that we all feel. Uh, And I I said to my wife uh, during periods of time throughout my career, and this was before you and I had a chance to get acquainted. Um, I was willing to say that when you see these photographers and videographers and documentarians that are living in a way in which you lived during this time, you know that that's a fire that burns inside of them and um, that the level of commitment that they have is, is beyond measure. So um, thank you for what you do. Let's, let's shift tack now a little bit. So uh, when you left photojournalism, right? You have family, you have children. And so you got into a different type of photography and what was it? Right. So um, my friends convinced me and I said I never would do it to do weddings. Mm -hmm. So, but at the time weddings had just shifted towards more a photojournalism style. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm like, fine, you know, I'll go ahead and give it a try. And so I was a second shooter a few times and um, they said, you have got to go on your own. So Mm -hmm. um, I got accepted into WPJA immediately and uh, became a wedding photographer and uh, booked out my first year. So I did that for 14 years. Leslie, I absolutely adore that you are the reluctant wedding photographer, right? We can can title you the reluctant wedding photographer. And the thing that I love about it is you're right. You know, 15 years ago, we were making the transition between sort of the more stale portraiture driven wedding photography and brides and clients wanting something that was far more in the moment for the moment, capture from the shadows, don't coordinate or choreograph, just just tell the story, which that's the only way I I could document a wedding when, when yes. my wife and I were doing that. And I just, I want to... Um, 
I want to clarify that it was uh, a reluctance, but it's clear to me though, that once you started doing it and the fact that you persisted for 14 years, there must've been a love in it, at least a little bit. Yes. I mean, I love my clients. I never had a bridezilla and they were the most amazing clients. They made it all worth it. So um, they were wonderful and they always let me do my thing. They gave me a hundred percent trust, you know, in me. So it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. I love that you say that. So one of the things that my wife and I said was the biggest compliment that especially a bride, right? We do a lot of corporate and nonprofit work, but when we were in the social market, having a bride that um, falls in love with your brand and falls in love with the vision that you create saying to you, Hey, listen, like, I love what you do. Just do what you do. Uh, here's some guidance or here's some things I need or things I'm super interested in. But other than that, please do your thing. It's such a compliment. And it means that you've really aligned and you've curated the perfect client for exactly for your photography. That's awesome. So uh, over the 14 years, do you have a favorite story, a favorite anecdote, a favorite bride that you want to share with the audience? Or are they um, all are they all they, sort of the favorites? They were all amazing. Um, my bride... I, we traveled the world doing it. And so I have my clients, they took us to Peru, my second shooter and I, um, Peru, they took us there for 10 days and we worked like a day and a half, but we had, we were there for New Year's Eve in Cusco and they were just, we had a blast with them. They were so much fun. And um, my Canadian brides are all amazing. Um, I've, I just had it's been wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So, well, for those of you who haven't seen Leslie's work yet, and I'm confident that you're going to look her up and see some of her work. She's an incredibly talented photographer and clear to say that if someone's going to invest in you and invite you to spend 10 days with them in Peru to do their weddings, <laughs> it's not just because you're an amazing photographer. It's clearly because you're a great business owner and operator and just a good person to be around. Uh, so 14 years uh, as a wedding photographer prepared to retire. I have to ask, when you looked to retire, had you anticipated going back into photojournalism as you did in May? Because you retired in January uh, 2020. Come May, you were back at the at the photojournalism effort full time, essentially. Did you see right. that coming? I actually did not. I, I mean, I had planned on doing some and um, storm photography. And then my main thing was going to be portraits um, because I do love portraits. And um I, all of a sudden, things happened, a moment, I mean, a movement happened. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just, I had put off doing anything with COVID, just because of what it was. And then mm -hmm. when that movement happened with George Floyd, I'm like, I just, I can't sit back any longer. So I actually went with no intent of publishing anything. And mm -hmm. I was going to just document it for myself mm -hmm. and for the people. And um, my friend, after he saw my images, said, you have to get these published. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. Well, he said, well, you know, I'll go ahead and, and see what I can do. So he did what he did. I don't think anything ever came of those. And so I contacted Zuma Press, which was my agent back from Haiti. Mm -hmm. And um and, and Hurricane Katrina. And so they wanted my work and I gave it to them. Unfortunately, those images from um, George Floyd were a week after it happened. Mm -hmm. um, they did get published uh, in Mother Jones 
and maybe some other places. Um, but they probably would have made a lot more headlines, unfortunately, had I contacted them right away. Yeah. But um, when I got there, it was just that fire in me again, all of a sudden, you know, that spark, mm -hmm. and I was doing what I was meant to do. So, so what I want to take from from that story is what I love about you so much. And that's that you had the fortitude that despite everything else, I'm not going to say beyond reason, but beyond maybe a certain amount of reason, you said, I will not sit in this chair. I will not stay in this house. I will go document this for the love of photography, for the love of telling the story, for my soul. And it wasn't until after that you were like, okay, I keep hearing that these images are powerful. And I have to tell you something, and I'm not blowing smoke here, Miss Leslie. <laughs> when I saw your images start to appear from the events that you were documenting, this was my thought. I'm so honored to know the person that created this. Oh, wow. Be because these were moments that were happening across the country from us. And to say that like, I knew the artist that stepped into this moment, into the fray, and created these moments and evoked the emotion that they did in me. I have to tell you that I hope every business owner and entrepreneur and career-driven professional, even that's listening to this right now, who thinks, you know, well, maybe, or I mean, I someday that they make today that day, right? Yes. And they find yes. that spark and that passion because it, it is a bit of a cliche at this point, but cliches usually do that because they're a thing, right? It, it happens right. frequently enough. If you find the spark, you'll light the fire and that fire can grow to an inferno. So thanks for walking the walk into, <laughs> into the lion's den. Yeah. And I just want to focus on your, your efforts for the last now, gosh, going on eight or nine months. Right. So um, right. 15 protests throughout the country. Right. I don't know that you were going to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about this in following your journey uh, as a friend and fellow photographer, you have gone from places that were reasonably unsafe to places that were so dangerous that you had to buy bulletproof vests, helmets, um, riot gear, shields. Uh, your faithful husband uh, has been by <laughs> your side. He is your driver and uh, sort of your caretaker and watcher. Because we talked about this too. When you're in your camera, uh, you have a third eye, right? Mm -hmm. That you're trying to do everything you can to be uh, aware of your surroundings. But at the same time, you're in your camera. And so he's been there by your side. So I think it's fair to recognize him, but you're literally going into battle and your I only am. weapon is your camera. I am. And that's correct. And usually I lose my husband right away, so. <laughs> <laughs> but he's been amazing. And he's such a huge, uh, I don't even know what the word is. He's just, he's always there for me and it's, it's wonderful, but yeah, I mean, I, I constantly, because of that, I'm constantly having to not only take the pictures, keep an eye on everything that's happening. And I also have to try and pre-visualize things that might happen. So I look at the crowd. I, I see things that might spark something. Um, oh, this is about to blow up over here, or this is about to happen over here. They're about to fight, you know, and just like with weddings and, you know, you just constantly have to, to keep your eyes and ears open all the time um, because anything could happen. And, um, you know, I mean, it, it has happened to us. So we've, we've gone through quite a bit, but 
you know, it, it's all worth it to tell the, the truth. It's amazing because it's all worth it to serve the people to tell the story and for the viewer to see it. Some of the things that you just mentioned um, from a professional perspective are so interesting to me. And one of the things that uh, I talked about on a, a previous podcast with a very, very talented young lady named Dr. Lindsay Padilla. She's a doctor of, of education, not of medical, and she's built a great empire as an entrepreneur. And it wasn't until she gave into the fact that it was so important for her to bring her entire self and her entire history to the next effort that she put in life that she really reached that sort of meteoric rise in success and in traction. And I think that that's something worth talking about here. So when you talk about the fact that one of your first and primary loves of photography was photojournalism and telling a story, and you were doing this in war-toward countries, <laughs> when you decided, you know, it's time to, to take a step back from the danger and, and make this art and service into a, a, a commerce and service, it's still an art, um, but commerce and service as well, you had to bring your whole self to that. And I'll right. bet you that third eye consistently watching for what's next, what might happen, anticipating a moment, it brought such light and I'm sure such dramatic flair to your wedding photography. Would you agree? Yes, 100%. In fact, um, you know, that was one of the things that I always, when I talked to people, I told them that that, like trying to convince them to hire me for their wedding, um, that was one of the things is that I told them, you know, I am constantly scanning the crowd looking for when that person's going to cry or this is going to happen, you know, it, and that's what, what really I loved about shooting weddings is that I was still getting to anticipate what might happen next and where that emotion was going to happen. And that was my thing to capture the emotion of the day as well. So those moments between the moments, right? So yes. uh, as the ceremony is going on and you look around and you know that, that moms and sisters and other people are going to cry because you know what the next step is in the ceremony. It's, it really is right. sort of a magical dance. Uh, and I'm so glad that you took what you used to do and, and brought it there. And I think the reason that's important is because there's probably a lot of people listening right now that if they're going through that transition, they're thinking that it's like a stop and a restart as opposed to in a continuation. And I'm, I'm so glad that your story uh, in big lights and billboard nature, because we're talking about resistance fighters and, and revolutionaries in countries, <laughs> you're taking that experience to the Piazza on the Village or the Adolphus right. Hotel to photograph <laughs> right. a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's such a distinct, different type of photography, but the talent, the emotion, the impact, it's also similar. And it's not a, oh, I'm not going to be a photojournalist anymore. Now I'm going to be a wedding photographer. It's, I'm going to have done this and acquired this talent and embraced this part of my life. And I'm going to bring that in and, and explore this new part. So thanks for that. Cause I think people oh, yeah. need to hear it. You're very welcome. <laughs> okay. So let's wrap things up by talking about um, what the last year has been like and what you're about to do, because you literally have covered 15 different things ish around the nation. We couldn't count them all. So uh, it's 15 ish over the last mm -hmm. year. And in let's see, five days or so, you're off to your next adventure. And what is that? Well, actually, I was supposed to be going off to my next adventure. Okay. Um, my back, I'm having surgery in February because oh my, my back is so bad, probably from 
the photography. Yeah. So, um, and the bulletproof vests and stuff. And mm. um, I would definitely need the bulletproof vest for what's about to happen. Yeah. Uh, we were we were supposed to go and cover the inauguration, mm. and um, unfortunately, it could be very violent. Mm -hmm. And I had to make the extremely hard decision day before yesterday to not go because I don't think my back is up for it and I can see myself getting hurt really bad this time and um yeah and so. I can see in your face for those that you don't know the people first and profit podcast is recorded both on audio and video I can see the anguish in your face that you've had to make this this decision and it is so you I'm just going to say it. It is so you to have thought, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it anyway. Yeah, I'm just going to, yeah. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go fight through this and whatever happens on the other side of it, as long as I have my film canister in my hand, <laughs> I'll be, <laughs> right. I'll be, I'll be just fine. Uh, and I, but I do want to say, I applaud you for the fact that you would typically have done that. And I want to applaud you even louder for saying, I have to sit this one out. Thank you. Thanks. It's, it's, it was a very, very tough decision, but it was one that had to be made, unfortunately. So, so uh, I tell people that I coach, people that are in my group, uh, people that dial into different phone calls that I host, and I tell them that the oxygen mask thing on a plane is there for a reason, because if you're <laughs> not good to yourself, you're not going to be good to anybody else. And there will be many a story to cover and many a photo to take that will impact the world. Sitting this one out, given your current circumstance, I think is probably not only the most prudent, but the best for you. Because again, if you're not good to yourself, you're not going to be good to anybody else. And we've got That's lots exactly of stuff. exactly right. We've and got lots always, of stuff for you to cover. <laughs> and I always say everything happens for a reason. There's a reason I'm not supposed to go. So that's a hundred percent the case. And I, I'm so sorry. I, again, I can see it in your face that you want to be there and that that's something that you want to document. Uh, but you now get to document, uh, to, to view what you would normally have created and we can enjoy the creation of the other photographers. How about that? Yes. You and I, All you right. and I can, can you and I can send photos <laughs> back and works. forth. Listen, uh, I want to thank you for taking the time for telling your story. It's a very personal story. A lot of the stories that are told on the People First and Profit podcast are a mix of, of life and of business. Uh, the thing that I love about this is this is sort of where passion meets paycheck. And the fact that you were able to take something you did for a living, uh, a change in your life, change in your circumstance, but you still were able to pursue that passion and receive a paycheck, but that you came full circle right? Yeah, that, yes. that you came all the way back to photojournalism. Uh, I wish you the best in, you. in the rehabilitation of your back. I know what lower back problems are like. It is not something <laughs> to be trifled with. No. <laughs> and uh, I know that over the years, you're going to create some more amazing images that are going to have a very emotional, very powerful impact on others. Thank you. Thank you. I hope so. So I know so. All right. So I wrap the People First and Profit podcast uh, with a cute little lightning round. It's nothing serious. It's nothing intense. They're fun little <laughs> questions. I okay. want you to answer kind of just right off the top of your head, Leslie. So um, do you have a favorite dessert? Oh, gosh. Creme brulee. <laughs> oh, that's so good. How about a favorite beverage? Um, you know, it used to be Coke. Now all I drink is water. So 
I have to tell you, Leslie, that is the most common answer when I really? ask about a favorite beverage. I, you know what I think it is? I think that most of the people that I'm, I'm interviewing are established either in their career or they're hardworking business owners, entrepreneurs, professional. They're just on the go and they realize that hydration is so important. So I think yeah. <laughs> it's either that or they're afraid to tell me that it's whiskey or wine. Right, <laughs> right, right. And I joke about wine all the time and I hardly ever drink. So, <laughs> so what, uh, what brand of camera is your favorite? Um, actually it is right now it's Canon. Um, I also use Sony. I started okay. out with Nikon. Nike, I was a Nikon girl. So it's very interesting because, uh, it, more frequently than, than used to be, I think people travel, travel between them. I used to be a Canon shooter and now I shoot nothing but Sony. So, oh, wow. uh, you and I would get along really well. We could, we could yes. share, share experiences <laughs> and equipment. Uh, so the last question I would have for you that I think it's super fun one is if you could have any superpower, Leslie, what would your superpower be? Oh gosh. Wow. That's a tough one. Um, I'd like to, oh, I mean, I want to change the world. So it has to be something with that. So. You know what? That's your superpower. And and you know what? <laughs> I don't want to make you too emotional again, Leslie, but by what you do and the people you serve and the stories you tell, that is your superpower. You are changing oh. the world. Most Thank people you. want to fly, so you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have, you've, you've raised the bar because changing the world is an amazing superpower. And um, I think photojournalists, documentarians, journalists that tell these stories and put themselves in risk, they do change the world. Thank uh, so uh, thank you, Leslie, again, for being here. To those of you that are listening, every single one of you has a superpower. I absolutely encourage and I'm here to support you. If there's anything I can do to help you discover what that superpower is and change the world, I'll do that. If you want to find out more information about Leslie and the work that she's doing, it's very simple. She has an Instagram. You can look her up and uh, you can look up Zuma Press and her name. I'm going to have all of that information in the show notes. So if you want to check out some of the beautiful work that she's created, just go to the show notes, uh, look up the Zuma Press um, name and her name, do a Google search together, and it'll show you all of the photos that are copyrighted by her. Leslie, thank you for sharing your time, your talent, and your stories with us today. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for having me. All right. With that, we'll have Adam Wilmer take us out of here. Thanks, guys, and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the People First and Profit podcast. If you like this episode, and I'm pretty sure you did, subscribe, review, and share it with your friends, fans, and followers wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the show notes for additional information about this week's guest, as well as a list of all the links and resources we discussed. Be sure to visit peoplefirstinprofit.com for a ton of great content, free resources, and links to the People First and Profit community. All right, I'm Adam Wilmore, and on behalf of your host, Don Mamoni, we'll see you next week. Thank you.